0: I love that clip from the movie, The Sandlot, in which uh, fifth grader Scotty Smalls has never played baseball in his life, obviously, and he wants to learn how to do that, so he asks his stepfather, Bill, if he will play catch with him, and uh, obviously, he's just not very good at it, and it takes him some time to practice to to get better at that. Uh, We're in the midst of a sermon series called Crucial Conversations, and last week, if you were here, I challenged you uh, to view your conversations kind of like a game of catch, that that we take things that we want to say and we kind of toss that to someone else for them to catch that, and then they're going to throw what they want to say back to us, and we catch that. And so, think of it kind of in terms of, of that metaphor of, of a game of catch. And sometimes our conversations come easy, and it's uh, it's fun just to kind of toss things back and forth. You know, this is a fun conversation to have, and and we're doing that fluid in a fluid motion and having a good time. And And sometimes our conversations get elevated and we get angry. And instead of like, you know, throwing the ball softly, like we're going to we're going to step back and rev it up and try to knock each other's heads off. And we're going to argue and and get things out. And so as you think about your conversations in your everyday life, some of those go well and and some of those don't go well. And so what kind of a of a player are you when it comes to conversations? Uh, We've talked about a lot how in our country right now there's a lot of division. Uh, There are a lot of people who disagree on on a lot of things, and and instead of talking to each other in a friendly, nice way that we're trying to win at all costs, and we're yelling at each other, screaming at each other, we're we're avoiding conversations, and so uh, as followers of Jesus, we think that there's a better way to be in dialogue with one another, and so we're spending some time looking at the Bible and looking at some advice from the world just about how to have crucial conversations. And and by crucial conversation, I mean this. A, a conversation moves from casual to crucial when three things happen, right? It moves from casual to crucial when three things happen. And one of those is that the stakes are very high, that we're invested in what we're talking about, and, and we care a lot about that. So there's a there's an attachment to what we're talking about. Second thing is that opinions vary. We think differently than the people that we're talking to about this, this, this uh, conversation that the stakes are so incredibly high. And the third thing is that we have strong emotions involved. Right. We, we are we're passionate about this and we're not going to give up very easily and we want to get our points across. And so when the stakes are high, when opinions vary, and when emotions are strong, the conversation shifts from casual to crucial. Now, here's the trick. Here's the hard part is the more crucial a conversation becomes, the less capable we feel of having that conversation. The more crucial the conversation becomes, the less capable we feel usually of having that conversation. And so a lot of times we'll dodge the conversation and we won't let it come out, you know, in in conversation with each other. And and we'll we'll talk badly about the person that we need to have the conversation with behind their backs. Or we'll ask someone else to go tell them and be a messenger and kind of triangulate them into the conversation that they don't need to be a part of. Sometimes we'll just try to sabotage the other person passive-aggressively because we don't have the courage to have the conversation. And you all know the conversations I'm talking about. These are conversations about politics. These are conversations about our faith. These are conversations that we have with our teenagers. These are things that are stressing us out about our marriage or our relationship with our significant others, our parents, our children, some uh, things with our friends, our neighbors who are doing something that's driving us absolutely crazy, a, a performance review at work. right? These are the conversations that we need to be having with the people who are important in our lives but we're shying away from them. And so we've been thinking about how do we begin to have these conversations because it's so important for us to do that. We've got to figure out a way in America to talk civilly with each other and and have these crucial conversations to make our country a better place, to make South Park a better place, to make our families better. And so we've been wrestling with that. And so last week, I invited you uh, to begin praying about one conversation, crucial conversation that you've been putting off that you know that you need to have. Just begin to pray about that one conversation. And last week we, we dove into the Bible and, and we went back to one of the Apostle Paul who started a lot of churches in the first century to one of his letters. And, and he wrote a letter to a church in Ephesus, which is in the Mediterranean world, kind of in the Greece area, if you want to think about that. And he's writing to the Ephesian Christians. He started this church, he's been away, and he's heard that there's, there's a lot of stuff going on within the church. There's some turmoil in the church. The church is no longer unified, and this is hurting Paul. It's breaking his heart. And so he's writing to the followers of Jesus there saying, hey, what's going on? And he's trying to give them some advice to to learn how to, to be unified again and to be in conversation with one another. And so last week, we talked about before we even have a conversation, we have to take care of some things internally with ourselves. It's kind of like we have to learn how to play catch with, our, with ourselves. It's like taking a, a tennis ball and throwing it off the wall and catching it. And we throw it off the wall and we catch it. There are certain things that we have to get set inside of our own minds and hearts before we enter into a conversation with someone else. And if you missed that uh, conversation last Sunday, I invite you to go to our website, southwarkchurch.com, and check it out. And you can catch up. But if you missed that, that's okay. We're going we're to talk about some stuff that I think can help you today as we think about taking a next step in a conversation. How can you and I have crucial conversations with people in our lives that we love Uh, and work with. Uh, And sometimes we don't love them, but we need to have conversations with them. How can we do that? Is there hope? Absolutely there is. All right. So we're going to dive back in today. And I want to start just by talking again, before we have the conversation, there's a little bit of work that we can do, or we can monitor to make sure that we can try to set up the conversation for success. And what I want to start with today, I want to talk about how we can make these crucial conversations, how to make it safe. Okay, and what I mean by making it safe is that when we sit down to have the conversation, that we and the person that we're talking to will feel that they can share absolutely everything that needs to be said, that this is a safe place to to open up ourselves, to open up to one another, that everything that we want to say and need to say, that we feel that we can get that out on the table. And to do that, we have to make this a safe place to make a safe conversation And so let's think about what it looks like to make it a a safe conversation. I I think the first thing is where are we going to have the conversation? Like the location itself, where are we going to choose to have the conversation? Now, sometimes we don't have a choice. Our boss calls us into the office and we're forced to have a conversation. The principal or the teacher calls us into their office and we have to have a conversation. But if we have some say in this, if we can control where the conversation is going to be, then we need to be in dialogue with the person that we're going to be talking to. And where do we want to set this up? Because usually there's always somebody that has home field advantage. If this is at the other person's house, if it's at their office, if it's in their wherever they hang out the most, right? We are going to feel that they have like a home court advantage. Like in a sports uh, game, the home team usually has an advantage. And so how can we maybe look for more of a neutral site to where we both feel we can really truly open up and be honest about what's going on inside of us? Uh, And so it's important to be thinking through that. Uh, Location. It really does make a difference. Uh, um, when I was uh, in one of my former churches, I was much younger, had no clue what I was doing. I uh, still don't know exactly what I'm doing, but uh, it, I, had a, I had a conversation that I had to have. That was a crucial conversation. It's the first time that I had to let a staff member go. I had to fire a staff member, and I was not looking forward to that. I uh, didn't want to do that at all, and I wanted to schedule it in a place that would be safe for me, and I wasn't really actually thinking very much as a safe place for the person that I had to have this conversation with, and so I knew that he was going to be upset and probably volatile, and so I, I did something that I thought would be great, but it wasn't. Uh, i scheduled this conversation to happen in a restaurant, right, where they're in public, where there are people, and I'm thinking, like, if he goes ballistic and gets crazy, he can't kill me in a restaurant right? But from his perspective, he's losing his job and he's finding out in public where a bunch of people are and he can't truly ask questions or react in the way that he needs to react. That was the dumbest things I've ever done, right? I really regret that. And so location for crucial conversations is very important. So pay attention uh, and think carefully where that conversation is gonna take place. Do do you need a place where there's some privacy, where you can uh, not be around a lot of people? What does that look like? So make it safe, choose a a good location. I think another thing that we can do to make a conversation safe is to have an exit strategy. If this conversation doesn't go well, or we get to a point to where it's pretty heated and we need to take a time out uh, and walk away for a little while and pick this conversation up later, What's my exit strategy? Kind of in my mind, at what point when this conversation hits a certain point or I see some things happening, how do I exit out of this conversation in in a way that's going to be helpful to both parties? Uh, Now in the South, this might be an easy thing because a lot of us do this when we're talking to someone on the phone and we wanna get away from them and they're not getting the clues that we need to end the conversation. What we usually do is say, I'm gonna let you go now. Y'all ever done that? It's kind of like, I'm taking control, but you're really thinking you're in control and and you get off the phone. And so I say that with all humor in mind, but uh, don't really do that. But it's important to have like an exit strategy. How do I I get out of here? And it might be something simple to say, you know what this, this conversation we've had a good conversation but it seems like you know it's come to an end or man this is we're getting pretty you know heated in this why don't we why don't we take a time out or hey you know the conversation's kind of gotten off the off the track why don't we just end it here and we'll pick up another time so maybe ahead of time just be thinking how am I going to end this conversation if it goes down this road and and so give that some thought uh, how to a strategy to exit the conversation Uh, Another thing that we can do to kind of keep things safe is kind of just learn to look and see what's happening in the conversation. Monitor yourself, monitor the person you're talking to, not just for content, but the conditions of the conversation because you can can see things in yourself, you can see things in other people that if the conversation is not going well, usually one of two things happens. Someone moves to silence, like they'll withdraw and they'll stop talking, they'll stop participating in the conversation, maybe they'll turn to some sarcasm, right? And so, you know, move to silence, you, you want to kind of look for that. Or the other side of that is the move to violence. And I'm not talking like physical violence, hopefully not physical violence, but if someone, you know, really gets in the conversation, they get upset, and they start yelling, or uh, they start attacking you, or labeling, or calling you names, right? You, you see that move to silence, you see that move to violence, right? Then, then that's the cue, right? We want to learn to look for those things. And then the next thing we can do is to step out, to say, you know what, hey, Conversation, again, it's kind of getting off the track here. We're getting off the rails. Let's take a time out. I know that you and I, we want to be in this conversation, but it seems like something's kind of taking us off track. How can we get back to talking and having a good dialogue? And if we can do that, that's great. If we need to end it, that's great. But let's just take a time out. The things don't seem to be going the way that I think you or I would want it to go. So let's step back, and how can we re-engage with each other, or do we need to take a break? Right. So again, just some simple things to make it a safe place to have a conversation. And by safe, it means to where we feel comfortable, where we can say whatever we need to say, and they can say whatever they need to say. So what I'm saying here is sometimes we have to do the work before we do the work, right? The work of the conversation, we have to do some preparation ahead of that. We talked about that last week with Paul, talked a little bit about that with safety. But let's say we've got all that stuff ready to go, right? How do we now engage in those tough crucial conversations. I want to go back to the Bible. I want to go back to Paul. First century, he's writing to the Ephesians, writing to these Christian brothers and sisters. There's disunity in the church. Paul says, we got to get past this. Let me give you some advice. Let's think about how we need to be in, in conversation with one another. So we're going to pick up in the book of Ephesians, this letter that Paul wrote to these Christians, first century in the Mediterranean world. We're going to pick up in Ephesians chapter four, verse 25. Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor, for we are all members of one body, right? So Paul says we're all in this together, right? Need to put off falsehood, kind of do that kind of work that we talked about last week. And I love this, speak truthfully to your neighbor. Elsewhere in scripture, it says to speak the truth in love. So when we're ready to speak to the person that we're talking to, we want to be honest with them. We want to get out the things that we need to say. We want to to share that with them in a loving way, right? Speak truthfully to one another. Speak in honesty. One thing that I found that helps me in conversations, crucial conversations, any conversation, especially a, a crucial conversation that's emotionally charged, stakes are high, opinions vary. When I'm sharing the truth from my perspective, I think it helps to use I and me statements to say, you know, this is how I see it. This is how... I'm feeling, you know, it, it appears to me that this is happening between us. So I, I'm stating things from my perspective, from my opinion, and that's much different than saying, you make me so angry, or what is wrong with you, right? You, you, are you a moron, right? When we, when we turn it to the you statements, what do we do? We put someone on the defensive, right? And so when we speak with I statements, we speak from our hearts, our truth, in love, I think that's a a better way of being in dialogue with someone. And I think another thing that's going on here is as we're speaking, we also have to be really careful to be listening to the person that we're talking to. Maybe even before we open our mouths, maybe the first thing we do is ask the other person to go first, that we seek first to understand right? Seek first to understand where the other person is coming from. I don't know about you, but a lot of times I come into a conversation and I think I know exactly what they're thinking, what they're going to say. And I've already you know put their stuff out on the table and I don't have a clue as to what they're going to say. And so maybe the best thing to do is to seek first to understand and then to respond with the I statements respond with our truth in love and and begin the conversation that way. Now I don't want to dive too much into these these two things, listening to people and then you know, speaking what God has put in our heart to speak because next Sunday, Pastor Lindsay's gonna close out the series and she's gonna do an amazing job with that. And and she's gonna talk a lot about what it means to listen to people. She's gonna talk about what it means to to speak, you know, our truth to someone else. And I don't want to steal her thunder, but it's in the scripture today and and we want to start with that. But What I really feel led by God to focus on today are the next two verses that Paul writes because I think this is so crucial in the crucial conversation. Let's see what Paul says next in verses 26 and 27. In your anger, do not sin. It's okay to be angry. It's okay to have emotions but when you have emotions, don't sin. Don't do something wrong stemming from your emotions, especially as you're talking to someone that you're in a conversation with. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you're still angry, and do not give the devil a foothold. Okay, so Paul's saying in these conversations, you're gonna be emotional, right? Emotions are running strong. Right, the stakes are high, opinions to vary, and it's okay to have emotions. It's okay to be upset, it's okay to be angry, it's okay to be excited, it's okay to want to get your point across. But when you have those emotions, you have to keep them in check. You you can't let your emotions cause you to do harm to the other person, either through your words or through your actions. And so Paul's saying keep your emotions in check. He says, because if, if you give your emotions just the smallest amount of space, right, if you give the devil just the smallest amount of space, right, then the devil's going to take everything, right? If you give the devil a foothold to say, hey, you're angry. You should lash out about that. You should let them know exactly what you're saying. Go for it, right? If you if you give the devil a foothold, he's going to take the stronghold. He's going to turn into a stronghold, right? Just imagine that someone is a solicitor. They come to your door. They ring the doorbell. You don't want to see them. You close the door. They stick the foot in, right? You, 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 and just give me five minutes. Just want to talk to you five minutes, right? If we give the devil any amount of space then he's going to take it all, right? You give the devil a foothold, he's going to turn it into a stronghold. Let me give you an example of that. In World War II, when the allied forces were trying to fight and and defeat the Nazi army, when they went on D-Day onto the beach of Normandy in France, they took one beach, just one beach, but that's all it took. They, they got the foothold, and then from that one beach in Normandy, they took the entire country of France back from the Nazi control, and from that, they won World War II, right? So it all started with one beach. One foothold became a stronghold, and it turned the entire war, right? If we let the devil into our hearts, and we let the devil twist up our emotions, and we just light into someone else, right, then the devil wins the day, right? Now, now this is important because what Paul's doing here is he's saying, we're not just having a conversation with someone, that this is a spiritual thing. We're followers of Christ and we also recognize that in the world, there are real forces of evil that exist, right? There is a devil. There's, there's an angel that rebelled against God and, and, and the devil and the evil forces in the world. I know for some of us, that kind of spooky and freaks us out, right? But it's real, And and when you see people who are arguing out of anger, right, in families or friendships or at work or at school or on politics, on television, or, or we see all this kind of stuff happening, right, then that is spiritual warfare. Right? Because the devil and the forces of evil, they are plotting against us. They want to infiltrate our relationships. They want to sabotage our, our discussions. They want us to fight with our spouses. They want us to fight with our parents. They want us to fight with our children, with our teachers, and with the people that we work with, our colleagues and our bosses and those that we employ. And they want to stir stuff up in churches. Right? They want gossip to happen. They want bad talk behind backs to happen. They don't want any honest conversation to happen in love. And when we fall for that trap, right, then the devil is somewhere just grinning, saying, I, I, I got them. I'm winning, right? When we turn on the television and we see how our politicians are acting, when, when we go into classrooms, when we go to our own homes and, and we lose it and we let those emotions just run rampant and we do violence through our words or, or we sabotage one another or we go behind each other's backs, then the devil's just grinning somewhere, right? And our relationships are suffering. And God says, that's not what I want. God says, I sent Jesus into the world. I give you power to stand up and not to do this. You need to get in control of your emotions. This is serious stuff. Like spiritual warfare is real. Right? But thanks be to God, God gives us the Holy Spirit to give us the victory. I love this quote by a guy named Ambrose Bier. It says, This speak when you're angry, and you'll make the best speech you will ever regret. Isn't that true? It's, speak when you're angry, and you'll make the best speech. You will ever regret. And we all have been there. Like, I just want to let them know what I think. I just got to get this out, right? When I was in divinity school, studying to be a pastor, it was my second year in divinity school. And uh, I lived in an apartment in Cambridge, Massachusetts, right outside of Boston. And I lived with two other uh, guys that were in divinity school as well. And uh, this was back in the day before cell phones, okay? And so we had like one house phone in our apartment. And so if we wanted to talk to, you know, boyfriend, girlfriend, we want to talk to our families. Uh, my family still lived in North Carolina. If I wanted to talk to them, you had to do it on the landline and you had to share it with two other guys, that was also the advent when the internet just first had started out, and we were just getting online with email and, and surfing the web. And to get online with internet, you had to do it through the phone. And so you had to plug in your modem, and it goes da-ding, ding ding and do all this kind of stuff. And so when you're on the internet, uh, then no one else could call anybody and talk to them. And so Every Sunday afternoon my parents would give me a call from North Carolina. They'd ask me how's school going? How you know how's church going? How, how's everything going? I'd ask them vice versa. And so it was standard time. My roommates knew my parents would call and you know we had to develop a system of when everybody used the phone and all that. But one of my my housemates, roommates uh, named Louie, he really got he fell in love with like the internet. And, and every day he would be more and more time spent on the internet. He'd be surfing the web, he'd be doing email. And so Sunday afternoons would come and supposed to be my time on the phone and Louie'd be on the, on the internet. Hey man, just give me a few more minutes. Give me a few more minutes. Right. And, and this kept building up and up and up. And I just kept getting more angry and angry about it. But I'm like, I'm starting to be a pastor. I got to turn the other cheek. I, I got to love Jesus and let Louie talk, you know, do his stuff on the internet. But man, I needed to have a crucial conversation with him to say, Louis, hey man, I'm glad you enjoy being on the internet. But you know that my parents call. This is our one chance to catch up during the week. And you know, we do this every, you know, could you just, you know, carve out a small space to let me talk to my family, right? Those are the conversations I should have had with Louie, right? No, should have had with Louie. One afternoon, man, I just lost it. He'd been on the internet. I've been, you know, knocking on the door. Just a minute, just a minute. So finally I just, I kicked in the door. I'm like, how much longer are you going to be on that thing? Right. I just lit into him. Right. And of course, despite me, he stayed on it all night long. Right. I never didn't get a chance to talk to my parents. And then I had to do a lot of work to repair a relationship where I just, you know, I came in screaming. Right. And that wasn't the way to solve that. I just kept putting off a conversation that I should have had. Right? Even uh, small things. I was, I was home with my family this week. I was sitting on the couch with my seven-year-old son, and we we're just kind of hanging out, kind of you know cuddling around and watching TV. When he, My 7 year turns to me, and he looks at me. He's like, Dad, when did you start growing a beard on your ear? <laughs> Daddy's getting old. He's getting ear hair. Go get the clippers, you know, like... I wanted to just like scream like my insecurities, right? So I just had to calm down and and, and not lose it like that, right? Right? There's so many moments where we just want to lose it, right? And it's okay to be angry. It's okay to be emotional. It's okay to be storing these things up. but, But we've got to find a way when we're angry, when we're emotional, to keep it under control and not to sin, not to give the devil a foothold because it will ruin a relationship, it will ruin a conversation if we don't know how to deal with these things correctly. And uh, I love this guy named Dr. Edwin Friedman. He's deceased now, but he did a lot of work talking about how uh, churches and businesses are kind of like family systems. And and he talks a lot about this, about keeping control of your emotions. And he talks about what's called self-differentiation. We've got this for you up on the screen here. And what that simply means is that we have the capacity to separate ourselves from the emotional processes that are going on. right? When we're in a conversation and, and we see the stakes are high, the opinions vary, we see the emotions are strong, that, that we can step back with our emotions— and we can try to look at, 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 the, at the discussion, we can look at the conversation, look at the content kind of in a rational sense. Like we, we still have our emotions, we're still vested in this, we still care about it, but we step back from the emotional processes and we don't take the bait when someone tries to push our buttons. You know what I mean? When somebody knows how to push our buttons and try to get us upset, you know, some people feed off drama. And they want us to get mad and they want us to yell and they want us to lose it. Right? But we, we take a step, we self-differentiate, like, this is who I am, this is what I believe, this is what I bring in the conversation, and I'm not going to fall for the trick of becoming overly emotional. I'm going to maintain my calm nature here. We're going to have a conversation. We're not going to scream at each other. I'm not going to lose it. I'm going to short circuit. I'm going to break the circuit of the drama. I'm going to step back from the drama I'm gonna step back from from the bait, from them pushing my buttons. So, again, some people, they exist to push our buttons and make this a a drama-filled relationship and conversation. I'm gonna step back. I'm gonna state my truth and love. I'm gonna kind of just do that. And and Friedman says the best way to do this is to maintain a non-anxious presence, right? A non-anxious presence. I'm not gonna lose my emotions, right? I care. I'm invested. I'm here. This means a lot to me, but you're not going to push my buttons and, and I'm not going to snap. I'm not going to lose it. I'm going to have a civil conversation with you. I'm going to state my truth in love. I'm going to listen to you. We're going to have a conversation. I'm not going to lose it. Right? Non-anxious presence. I personally believe, Kyle Thompson personally, this is the number one thing that will make or break a crucial conversation. At least it's my experience. This is the number one thing you can do to have a crucial conversation is to maintain a non-anxious presence. Now, that is a hard thing to do, but it is powerful. Right, Pastor Lindsey and Kevin were you know, talking about the new campus that we're building, and we're super excited about that, we're looking at the pictures. And we've been working on this for seven years, and we're so excited building a mixed-use development with the church in the middle of that so that we can love South Park and introduce people to Jesus. Right, We want to be in the middle of a community where we can introduce people to Jesus, and that's a huge vision. And, and to get here across seven years, we, we've had a lot of meetings. We've had a lot of town hall meetings where we talk about, should we do this, what's it going to be like? And you might imagine when you talk about tearing down your church building of 50 years, that there have been a lot of heated emotions involved in that. And rightly so, right? Understandably so. When When you tear down a building where people have been married and baptized and raised in the faith and where we've had funerals to say goodbye to people, right? There are some strong emotional attachments, right? There the sanctuary where we find the sanctuary for a rest from the rest of the world. Right? There's lots of emotions. And some of those meetings were emotionally charged and people spoke from their hearts and their emotions. And, and that is understandable. But as the leader of the church and the leader of that meeting, The number one thing that I needed to do was to maintain a non-anxious presence so that we could have a dialogue between people who had high stakes, different opinions, and strong emotions. If I lost it, if I lost my non anxious presence, right? Then there's no way we're moving forward as a church. Not in that meeting, not ever. And and so I, I prayed a lot to God, right, on, on on the papers that I would have, like my speech and that kind of stuff. I wrote the letters in AP, not to take a nap, but non-anxious presence, right? To remind myself, hey man, you have got to maintain a non-anxious presence. I did a lot of praying and sometimes I did better than others. right? But it is vital. The number one thing I think personally in a crucial conversation is to remain non-anxious, that non-anxious presence. Don't take the bait. Don't let them push the buttons. Don't lose your emotions. Right? You still care, but you, you just, you can't do that. Um, and I've found in my own life that I, I can do that in, in certain areas better than others. I'm better at doing that at church than I am at home with my own family and my own friends, right? That's sometimes where I get into trouble, where I lose my temper and and I lose that non-anxious presence and I do harm to my children. I do harm to my wife, right? Because I I do it better at work than I do at home. And and some some of us do that. We can do it at, at work all day and at home we're miserable at it. Some of us, it's the opposite. We can do it all day at home, but when we get to work, we just fall apart. Or, or maybe it's with our friends we're different, right? And so it, it is a struggle, right? It's a struggle, but it is crucial. Non anxious presence. Don't sin in your anger, right? This is vitally important, right? So what? So what's the point? What's the big idea? what does Paul really want us to walk away with today? What's God saying to us through the scripture? What, what are you saying, Pastor Kyle? What's the one thing I really need to focus on and remember? This is what I'm going to say, right? Limit the devil's exposure, right? Limit the devil's exposure into your life by keeping your composure, right? Limit the devil's exposure by keeping your composure. Remember, the devil is on attack, And when we fight with our families, when we fight with our friends, when we have terrible uh, conversations uh, and sabotaging stuff going on at work or at school, when we see what's happening on the news with our politicians, right? The devil is is smiling, thinking, I am winning the game. Evil is triumphing, right? Fight with each other. Spin it, right? Get mad. Limit the devil's exposure. Limit the devil's exposure by keeping your composure, right? How do we do that? How do we keep our composure? I would say there's two things that I found that worked for me, and that's pray and practice, right? Pray and practice. Like, I have to do a lot of prayer. God, I can't do this on my own. I'm ready to lose it, right? Show me a way to channel my emotions somewhere else. Lord said, so when I have this conversation, you help me maintain my non-anxious presence, right? I asked you last week to begin praying about the conversation you needed to have. Keep praying about that conversation. The other thing to do is to practice, right? The little boy at the beginning with the, the video clip from the sandlot wanted to learn how to be a baseball player. He was terrible. He couldn't even catch a ball or throw a ball. But what did he do? He practiced and he practiced and he practiced and he got better at it. So here's what I invite you to do this week. Last week, we started praying about a conversation we needed to have, right? The application this week, your homework, if you, if you choose to run with this, is this. I invite you to begin rehearsing your crucial conversation, Who are you going to talk to? Pray about that. Begin to rehearse what you're going to say. Say it out loud. Talk to the mirror. Talk to one of your friends, one of your uh, family members. Have them role play the conversation. Have them try to push your buttons, right? Practice, right? Begin to practice your conversation, right? I I work at home because we don't have a, a, a church office while we're building the new campus, so I have a home office and I do this at home all the time, and I'm talking, and my wife, Laura, will walk by. She's like, you're talking to me? No. You're talking to yourself? Yes. Okay. <laughs> right? she, just, she gets used to it, right? Practice these conversations, right? That's, that's something we need to do. Pray and practice, pray and practice, right? You know, to limit the devil's exposure, right, we've got to, we've got to grab hold and, and, and keep our composure. Limit the devil's exposure by keeping your composure, right? Pray and practice, pray and practice, pray and pr- It works, it absolutely works. I had to have a crucial conversation with one of the church leaders here in our church, at South Park Church, recently. Uh, great guy on our leadership team, does awesome things, and uh, love him to death. Eight years of knowing him, serving God together, and uh, had to have a conversation, and it wasn't one that either one of us was looking forward to. We disagreed about something. Uh, it was about a ministry that we both care a lot about. The stakes were high. We had different opinions about what's going on in this ministry area. And we both had strong emotions about that. And so I called him up and I said, you know, I think we really need to talk. He said, okay, let's do that. So we set a, a neutral side to me, right? We want to keep it safe, that sort of thing. And when I had these kind of things pop up, like it, it just drives me crazy in my gut. I just, I feel sick about it and I want to get it over with as soon as possible. And But we couldn't meet for a couple of days. And so I'm just like, you know, agonizing over this. I'm praying about it. I'm You know, I'm rehearsing it. I'm kind of practicing it and all that kind of stuff. And so we get to the conversation and, you know, I I try to listen to him and he's graceful and listening to me. I'm telling the truth from my perspective. And long story short, we went back and forth. And really what had happened was there was a lot of misunderstanding of what was going on. We were able to 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 come to terms and, and we were okay. Uh, and at the end of that, we were just like, whew, we're glad we did that. And then we talked about it, said, you know, man, I was just so anxious. He's like, me too. It's like, why are we so anxious? We're friends, we're brothers in Christ. And, you know, we made this into a way bigger deal than it should have been. And and so we just, we were relieved and we were laughing. And I just tell you this to say that there's hope. There's hope. If you have to have these crucial conversations, there's absolutely hope that you can do this and it's going to turn out well. I've also been in conversations where we've come together just like that. And and in the conversation, there's been no way for us to agree. And so at the end of the conversation, we just had to agree to disagree. We did it in a non-anxious way. And we both again said, whew, we don't see eye to eye. We care about each other. We're going to continue to be in a relationship on this subject. We're just going to have to agree to disagree. That is also a win, right? But it's the way that we conduct the conversations. And I just want to say to you that there is absolute hope that you can have the crucial conversation that you need to have. Right? So continue to pray about the conversation, the number one crucial conversation you need to have. Right, limit the devil's exposure by you know, practicing to to maintain your uh, composure, right, all that kind of stuff, and begin to practice, begin to practice, begin to practice, right, because we want to smack the devil right in the face. We want to say, you're not going to take over my relationship with my my spouse. You're not going to take over my relationship with my children. You're not going to take over the relationships at work. You're not going to get in and stir up stuff with me and the people that I go to church with. right? God, we're praying that you're going to help the politicians in our nation. right? God, we want to show as followers of Jesus a different way that we can talk to people who think differently than we do. We can be in relationships with people who hold different opinions, and we can have crucial conversations, and we can have a non-anxious presence. Because the world needs a lot of hope. America needs a lot of hope. South Park needs a lot of hope. There is too much division. right? Our denomination is going to face a, a, a split, possibly in May. In August, the Republican National Convention is going to be here in Charlotte, and half of us are going to love that, and half of us are going to hate that. In your own lives right now, I know there is stress And there is strife and there are high emotions and there are high stakes and there are differences of opinions. I had a lady come to me today. She's like, I wish I'd heard what you said when I had teenagers because I just yelled at my teenagers too much, right? Stakes are high. The devil's trying to rip us apart. And Jesus says, No, I have given you the Holy Spirit and you can be in control and you can love each other and you can have these crucial conversations. Limit the devil's exposure, right, by keeping your composure. What is the conversation you need to be praying about and begin to rehearse that, begin to practice that, and God will give you a victory. Let's pray about that together. Gracious and ever-loving God, we thank you for challenging us today. And God, right now, I just want to pray for the people in this room who I know in their hearts, if they're serious and honest with themselves, that there's a conversation they need to have, a crucial conversation Lord, that, that they're dreading, they're putting off, but they know that they need to have it. So I just, I pray, God, that you would be with everyone in this room and give us wisdom, God. Help us to, to, to have the courage to begin to, to make these steps towards a crucial conversation. God, I pray for the people that we need to talk to, that we would see them as human beings who have their own emotions and their own anxieties, and, and that, God, that they're human beings, that they're children of God as well. Lord, we, we pray for them in their hearts right now. But God, most especially, we just want you to give us the power of the Holy Spirit to let us know, God, that our everyday discussions are are not just common discussions. Like this is where we win and lose relationships, God. This is where we win and lose the battle between good and evil, that we want to love our children and our parents. We want to love our friends and we want to get along with the people that we live beside and that we work with, God, and that the devil tries to come in and stir stuff up. And when, when we let him do that, He gains victory. So God, give us instead the victory and let it start in our own hearts. And so help us keep praying for those people that we need to be in touch with. Help us to practice that, God, but most especially, give us your spirit. Give us the peace that goes beyond all understanding, God, so that we can be victorious and this can be a win-win discussion that we have with those people in our lives. Thank you, God, for sending Christ and giving us this power.